The Binder had a theory. When a being of great power, such as a god, is killed, their energy is lost, but he believed it could be preserved. By binding it to an object, that object in turn could be bound to a magician of sufficient training and preparation, effectively turning the magician into a god. Yeah, but every time a mortal tries to kill a god, all the magic gets shut off. The Binder politely reminded Margot that not every story was about her. So the Binder is a catty bitch? Oh. <laughs> he continued. <laughs> it was a problem that perplexed the Binder and his fellow librarians. But, as it turned out, the old gods themselves provided a solution. Two siblings, mistakes, born with the power of many gods. They were created with one unique quality that made them essential to this experiment. They could not die. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about episode 411, aptly titled The 411, with the two word wizards who wrote it, <laughs> Henry Alonzo Myers and Christina Strain. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> All right. We'll start off in the usual way with Clara's recap. Yeah. So in this episode, riding the high of her victory over the foremost, Margot returns to Earth to tell the rest of the Scooby gang her plan to save Elliot and trap the monster. But as they're quick to point out, the bottle she brought back from the desert won't be strong enough to hold a god. So Alice and Q had to break boils south to ask Mayakovsky to help them cast an incorporate bond. Some timey-whiny shenanigans ensue, forcing the exes to exercise their own demons before they can get the information they need. Meanwhile, Margot, Julia, and Penny23 have a run-in with the Binder, who explains that four ancient librarians used him to harness the power of a god so they could become gods themselves. Back in the library, Katie and Zelda head to the poison room to find Everett's book and discover that he's also aiming for apotheosis. Oh, and Hyman helps Julia and Penny 23 get it on. Just in time for the monster to kidnap her and use her as a host for his sister. So yeah, this episode packed in quite a bit of uh, information. Danny, what do you think? What were the highlights? I liked it a lot. I really love the first opening scene where it's just Margot retelling the story and over and over <laughs> again. I love that part because I feel like everyone's been there at least once. Well, and you know that as much as she's like acting like it's a big burden, she also is loving the attention. <laughs> yeah. And, until Alice walks in the room, she's like, I ain't telling the story for this bitch. <laughs> I thought it was really fun. Um, and I love that. I love the actor that you guys cast for The Binder. Matt um, Frewer. Uh, Matt right? Frewer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's TV's Max Headroom. He's, uh, uh, and also you might recognize him from Orphan Black. And, and Eureka. Like every show on, <laughs> that is like, yeah, the Supernatural. I mean, yeah. He's done everything. Very experienced, terrific actor. He is. He's also in that new show um, that Adam was in. The Order. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> any other highlights you wanted to mention or uh i loved the like just this finally putting in quentin's um his discipline <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was like i've been waiting for this <laughs> what what excited me the most about this episode 
unsurprisingly, I imagine for everyone in the room who's been getting my like crazy emails about mythology all season, is the binder's big reveal. I've been enjoying the ways that the show has played with myths all season, and this episode gives us more than any other in that respect. So, Christina, what can you tell us about how you and the other writers have constructed the mythology of the show? What does that process look like? Did you also read, like, all of the ancient myths? Uh, yeah, I mean, we had some stuff in mind, but in general, this was a big team effort. And, uh, Henry, you can jump in whenever you want, but, like, in general, we had kind of a a concept of what we wanted with the sibling aspect of it. But then at that point, it was just, like, up for discussion about how to go about doing it and who to kind of reference for it. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. I don't want to say too much because we're... Because there's still two more episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, no. This this is definitely the big... I mean, this is part of... One of the fun things about this episode was that big speech is like a massive reveal about the mechanics of how everything works. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Christina summed it up quite well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we knew, we knew about the brother and sister. We knew the, that we were going to play that reveal. We knew about, as I recall, we knew that they would be revealed to be librarians. There was a, a bit of discussion about which gods we would meet when and why um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, I think that part was a little bit more organic, um, you know, and, and came up in individual episodes, but, you know, the big, big, like reveal was the only thing that we had kind of planned for. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's really fun about, uh, the show is that, you know, we take mythology and then we do kind of our own iteration of it. It doesn't necessarily have to stay completely a thousand percent true to what um, you might have been taught in one book or another book or another book, depending on what iteration of it you're reading about. So for us, you know, we have the um, joy of working with the concept of local gods and old gods and kind of go from going from there and referencing a lot of uh, our own myths, like, throughout history and just kind of yeah. asking ourselves what kind of spin would you like to put on that that might be the quote-unquote true version of it uh, rather than the one that's passed down through history i was big on uh, like it never being one specific pantheon but that mm, it comes yeah. that they come from a, a lot of different places i think christina uh, found uh, heka in one of her earlier episodes and that was a real you know like the, the, we, we just wanted to make it so that uh, that, that they kind of came from all over because that, that's Lev's uh, model for where the gods come from is always sort of in the back of my head, at least, when we talk about it, which is mm-hmm. to say that it's not, it's not all Greek, it's not all Egyptian, yeah. it's not all Norse, but like that, that it's a mishmash. In, in mi- right. But that all of them come from similar archetypes and speak to different things depending on where mm-hmm. they are. So, I, I mean, what I like is that they, they all come from many cultures. Well, and that's mm-hmm. something that Danny actually pointed out last week was that like those four main gods that we talk about in this episode, Bacchus, Iris, Heka, and Angus, there are like variants of them all in like a Greco-Roman yeah. pantheon, but none of them is exactly this like none of them is presented as the version of themselves that's in the same pantheon as any of the others. Mhm. Yeah, and for Heka in particular, one of the reasons that I had actually picked him was we I knew we were aiming for kind of an Egyptian god, but the thing with that 
Scott in particular is that he's not really talked about in books so much as he's talked about in medical texts. So it's right. stuff like that where it's just kind of we're looking for things that are kind of specific to what we're doing in the episodes and then the mythology we're creating ourselves. And it's like, you know, what happens in the scenario that you learn about, you know, via Matt Frewer, the binder. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that these gods would have different names in different cultures depending on who they were, but they would still be the same people. Oh, my God. I wish you could see this. My cat just. Like these two little paws came shooting out of the door because she knocked something under there. That's <laughs> <laughs> the cutest cat. <laughs> Mine's laying next to me right now. Uh. <laughs> so, what else can you tell us about the inspiration for the story the binder tells us about the early librarians who turned themselves into gods? Can you reveal anything, Henry, or am I going to have to listen to another one of Claire's crackpot theories next week? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're gonna have to listen to a crackpot theory regardless. Which, no, That's okay. probably true. <laughs> you, you should continue to theorize and come up with all the. I mean, I, I you know, this is. I, I I think the fan involvement is great. I feel like uh, you know, you, you guys are have, think very deeply and very long about all this stuff. Yes, um, too deeply sometimes. Hey, <laughs> but you know, we get lost. But the. You know, look, I also think the intent behind the art is one thing, but the general meaning that you can pull from it is totally another thing. And that's not, both of them are legitimate. We actually kind of talked about that a little bit in last week's episode, which hasn't been published yet because the episode <laughs> hasn't aired. <laughs> um, but like, I think so much of the fun of it this season has been that I, it's fun to be right, but I don't know that I care about being right. I just am really enjoying that there's all these things that I can engage with and learn and, and play around in. And I hope that's how our listeners feel about it, too, because otherwise they're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I mean, look, all I'll say is that there is more God stuff that comes up and it is more of an expansion of the world. And I really can't say anything more than that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. All right. Um I will say I also found it really satisfying in this episode to see so many of the stories that we've been following this season come together. Uh, but it also makes me wonder how you as writers came to understand, say, the origins of the library. Were you thinking about that before this season? Because, I mean, the library has been around since season two, right? Season two? Yeah. Season yeah. one. Well, season one, one, the end yeah. of season one, yeah. I, I, I think I wrote the episode where we first see the library. Uh, yeah. we, meet the, we meet Zelda the librarian in, in mm-hmm. episode 110, I want to say. Uh, but like, it's all, it was, it's all from the, I mean, it's the same as we, we were building everything off the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, we definitely went our own way with it. Um, <laughs> like the origin of the library is the books. In terms of where the, the library has gone, I mean, I, I've been kind of pushing for this personally. There was like, there was a discussion that we had in the room a few seasons ago about like, the library's position on things and how they were always very neutral and they were very much observers. And when we mm-hmm. started talking about, you know, what happens when the gods come in and stop magic and turn it off, it's just like, what does that world look like and who is, you know, going to come in control? And, it, and it's just like, I mean, this is a, this is an institution that has literal books about all of history. Yeah. If anybody's going to 
think they know what's up and think they know how to do things better, it's going to be the library because it's just that whole like, you know, they have this information and at what point do they need to step in and, you know, take a position. And it seems like when the gods turn off magic, you know, that's the point where it's like, well, if you go back and read the speeches that like Penny gives in the books, though, I feel like this this grand order of uh, of like uh, super powered master magicians, like it's something that, you know, Quentin runs into it a couple of times, like, you know, in each book. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And we was sort of wanted to extrapolate from that and build up something that we could, uh, you know, turn into, turn into story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, the, the, uh, the Christina's right. I mean, we, the, we introduced them first as this interesting, like quirky set of people who watch and then slowly kind of, you know, snuck in the idea that maybe the, these incredibly smart people would think that, uh, think that they could change everything i mean i think it's a, i guess you're right i, guess, like, <laughs> I mean i work in the of... tech industry so that doesn't that part uh, rings very true <laughs> i right. mean to me the <laughs> model is so just well. age in general you know people get older and they seem to know <laughs> they're like i know what's up <laughs> yeah <laughs> or they think they know they what's think up. they know what's yes, up yeah i think i agree piece. with henry on so that they're one. like i know what's up quote air quotes because you can't see this right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So the binder is also just a really interesting character. He's a book, yes, but he's also <laughs> a real person with feelings. You can see the empathy on Julia's face when he talks about he, how he was used and all the regrets he has about what he did in the past. Do you think she identifies with that, given what she went through with Reynard? Christina, maybe you can take this one? Uh, well, I think Henry can back me up on this one say, in saying yes. Like, there was a design there on both of our parts when we discussed, like, the emotion of that moment where it's just like, mm-hmm. um, he is making an appeal to her because he understands her position and she kind of sees that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there, there is definitely a sort of mutual understanding of each other's situation in that moment. Yeah. Um, I- we, when we wrote that speech, uh, I, we were kind of going for, uh, I mean, the thing that I was always hoping it would achieve was it's, it's a long, I mean, it was, I want to say it's like four or five pages, which is a pretty long expository speech for, um, it's for a TV show. Four minutes. And we, minutes. yeah. And we had, uh, but like, that was one of the reasons we cast Matt in that role because we knew he would be able to pull it off. Mm. Um, and at the time, I think we we added this sort of shadow puppetry element just because, it, you know, it's a bunch of people sitting in a room and maybe this will add some extra added element. And I, I feel like the scene would actually almost work perfectly fine without it. But once we were doing it, they, I thought they looked so, you cool. know, beautiful and cool <laughs> and interesting. Um, but the, 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 the shape of the scene was he's delivering a lot of exposition. Uh, Margot is sort of sarcastically sniping <laughs> to like, you know, keep it a little bit humorous but that he kind of hits him out of left field you know with this with his like personal appeal at the very end and you suddenly realize the thing that he's been through because he doesn't put a lot of his own needs out front you know he sort of tells this story and he tells it in this crazy way where he's in the third person but really gotta i mean like you know christina and i were there when 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 they were shooting it and it was you know it was really remarkable watching him do it because yeah. I think in the hands of a lesser actor, it wouldn't have worked out so well. But you could really feel it. You could feel it. Yeah. And I think 
Stella was just responding to that in some mm-hmm. ways. I mean, I think you, you sort of never know what's going to happen. But. Well, when I was watching it this time around, this last time around, um, to get the clip, I was noticing just, like, how wrapped um, Penny and Julia and Margot all look when they're, like, listening to that. And I was like, me, that's how I feel. Like, Arjun's sitting there, at the, or Penny is... Ah. <laughs> sitting there like with his hands on his like under his chin just like leaning forward as far as he can in his seat and I'm like that that's me I did watch it five times in a row the night we got this episode <laughs> <laughs> I mean quite frankly they're all amazing actors but I think that might have just been them watching Matt because like that was all of us in the room at the time yeah. that it was happening so good like the whole reason we wanted him for that role was just like Henry said it's a lot of exposition to deliver. And it's a really difficult thing to give an actor that much. Like we did that with Michael Lawoye last year yeah, when yeah. Hades the penny. And it was like, he was captivating. He was so captivating. So like in and, this, I mean, he's Hamilton. So yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> but like in this instance, it was just like, Oh my God, Matt's incredible. Like, thank God we got him because just, you could just watch him for minutes on end yeah. and not consider or page count because he's just so good at what he does that you're just captivated it, it's interesting because we shot Matt's side first and it's such a long long speech and so he is you know delivering and I think that you know when they were watching it they were a little bit like struck by it but by the time we got around to their their side the emotions were not new and they mm. knew it was going to this emotional place so it was very hard to get them to not react at that point, because his his performance was so powerful, so um, and they had seen him do it, yeah, a bunch of times. So, um, you know what I mean. But they, but I, I thought they, I thought they all handled it beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Also, people really love to ask Julia to like mercy kill them. Like <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the thing. That was one of the things we discussed in the script, where it was just like she's hearing this thing and she's feeling bad for him, and then the turn is he's like, "Could you kill me?" Like. How many people have asked her that? <laughs> I like, know. Okay. Maybe there's something about her that says, like, maybe she, you know, she's a good person to ask uh, to kill you. There's something about her face that says, I will do this. You can trust her to kill you. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> Poor Julia. I have to say that um, I didn't think about it until you were describing the scene again and talking about him, like, delivering it as in the third person. But it's... How cruel is it that not only did they make him into a book, but they made him into a book that's in the third person? Like, you can have a first person (laughs) narrative. You can do that. But they decided to be dicks and, like, rob him of the last tiny shred of his agency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he can still say things that he feels. He just just expresses it differently, is what I would say. It's good though. It's good though. It's it's a uh, it, it gives us the uh, kind of comedy our show, you know. <laughs> so bad. It's the, the, the it's a situational thing. And Margot is I find delightful. Yes. <laughs> there was a little more of it I think that we trimmed out just for time, but like it was it was you know, it felt like you needed some it was so exactly. serious that she, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, oh, and before I forget, I just also do have to Thank you on behalf of all of the people who read the books for actually naming them Sorrow and Sorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take credit for that yeah, one. Yeah. That 
That Only being said, it wasn't actually just me. There were several people in the room who were just like, it's sorrow and sorrow. But I was like, <laughs> all right, now this scene is happening. I'm fucking making sure it gets in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think the big difference was when, when doing that scene, you know, in the in the book, you the sorrow and sorrow has one meaning. But like, as she's telling... Quentin, he's kind of like, really? Is that that's what you get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's such a different place than it was in the book. Yeah, but yeah, hundred percent, Christina for that. But <laughs> I, I mean, not. I mean, I think like I want to say, David and Elle also were like, remember, it's sorrow and sorrow because, it, like, to <laughs> me, the I mean, yes, the the whole Margot in the desert thing is freaking incredible. The funniest thing about her naming two axes sorrow and sorrow is it's like, did you not have the bandwidth for a second name? <laughs> 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 yeah proud of it uh, I just I love the idea I, I mean I love the picture that I'm forming in my head of like the the hardcore book nerds in the room just being like no it has to be right <laughs> I know and you know I'm, I'm gonna throw one to Henry like Henry's very good at remembering like hey guys 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 remember there's this thing in the book that we haven't used yet so he, I want to say he and David both have like really incredible memories in terms of like some specific details so there's a bunch of stuff that they'll like just be like and this remember this and it's just like oh yeah let's do that because uh, it's it's nice whenever we can give a shout out to the uh, the OG source material and there's a and there's a lot of it sort of peppered throughout this episode but uh, yeah. as, as you probably as you well know <laughs> We we have noted. <laughs> okay. Okay, Clara. I know you could talk about mythology part of this episode forever. Yes. But we should probably move on. Are you sure? <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's talk about Quentin and Alice. Clara, what do you think about the way this episode plays with time travel? So I first of all, I love that in this episode time travel is I First of all, actually, this is the second episode this season that we've talked to Christina about that involves time travel, both in very different <laughs> ways. Um, I was like, am I in a time loop? What's happening? <laughs> like, did end up doing a bunch of time ones this, this season. It did. Yeah. Um, I also just, I love that in this episode, time travel serves as a device to force Alice and Quentin to, like, face their past and address the breakdown in their relationship. Um I know, like, Danny and I have been talking about this. We actually talked about this um, last episode, too. That, like, there's a whole bunch of Quelliot fans out there who don't seem to ever want to see Quentin and Alice together ever in a room, ever. Um, but I think if there's going to be any chance of Quentin having a healthy relationship with anyone else, <coughs> Elliot, uh, or even just, like, a healthy relationship with himself, he has to get closure on his relationship with Alice, um, especially given how quickly things fell apart at the end of season three. So I really love that, like, we, one, I mean, they had to be put in a room together because everyone else was like, nah. But two, that, like, the time travel aspect kind of allowed both of them to have the conversations they needed with a version of the other one without ever, like, doing the extra painful thing and having it with their contemporaneous selves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um it, you know, it was it was really interesting cuz like um I'm I'm going to I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Henry had a vision for this episode <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And and it was crazy cuz in writing it, um you know, when we were writing it, I was just like I forgot how delightful 
the two of them can be together yeah. when you when you see who they used to be. Yeah. And then even more so on set, like they already have this fantastic chemistry and like the scenes of like, you know, past Quentin with present Alice, like there was just a lot there that I was just like, huh. Babies. <laughs> Remember yeah. how these used to be before shit hit the fan. Uh huh. <laughs> wasn't you know, that long ago? I mean, I, that was yeah. I, that was kind of the impetus for it. Was was like if you, you know. Uh, uh, I, I remember in high school, I did this. We did this assignment where you had to write a letter to yourself, and then the the teacher mailed it like five years later. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a reminder of who you were, and like some of it's like wow, and some of it's like really, and then you know, but like you're you, especially when you're young, you're like your 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 love life is so in the present and where oh you are, God. the feelings you have are so big, and you know they're they're so far away from where they were in that first season that I you know it felt like you could get you could get some great drama out of uh, uh, just dropping them in that. Um, you know, and, and like Christina and I had a lot of fun trying to like, uh, because the, also the, the problems that they were dealing with that season were so relatively small comparatively, like by the time of the time when they end up, you know, in, in Breakville South, like it's not the fate of the world that they're dealing with. It's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, is this true feeling that I'm feeling? Is this a relationship? What's happening? You know, it's like normal human problems. Yeah. They had just. They had done so much damage to each other that they couldn't see past anything. And it was really interesting because the first episode I ever wrote uh, when I came on was the Bank Heist episode where Alice is just yes. like, stop ignoring me, stop ignoring me. You know, like she – that was – She, was, she my, was dead basically. She was dead. Like the only <laughs> iteration dead of Alice and Quentin <laughs> that I've written since being on the show is the two of them essentially at each other's throats. Yeah. So like mm. – this episode was uh, part of the reason um, – and Henry, you know, he's been on since season one, so he's written a very different version of them. So, like, getting to write that, I was just like, oh, 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 oh my God. There was a simpler time, and it was just so delightful to write. <laughs> yeah. It was so, like, nice to see Quentin so, like – Happy? I don't know. Happy. Yeah. I I think he just it just softened the both of them. I mean the thing I love the most in this episode was the the at the the very like and the thing that when we were working on it, the the one the one thing I remember getting in a I I, we have we have great network partners and the only thing I push back on from them and I rarely, you know, I always try to find a way to consider their thoughts. They had asked, um, they were like, Oh, why don't we end the episode with um the moment the when snatching uh, the monster snatching Julia, and I totally get why that makes sense on the scale of a of a um, you know uh, it's 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 a big threat. It's uh, it's exciting. It's scary. But you know, twelve and thirteen is like this big run to the end, and they get and the episodes just get bigger and bigger. And I just had this strong feeling that like the that ending on a sometimes the magician's ends on a human moment, and like that moment where the two of them who have like both been old and young, they both experienced what they were like before and realized that, you know, that maybe they're being more rigid than they should had just have this great little, they share a look. And I I kept pushing Mira, the, who, uh, the director, who's a wonderful director. I was just like, don't cut, don't cut, like just don't cut. (laughs) Just make them stare at each other for like 10 minutes. It was, 
No, it was great because like I, when I wish said, you kept it going longer. Even I know. Well, it's it's hard to stare at somebody without giggling. <laughs> like, it turns I, out I like that. <laughs> I know, right? I so like that. Yeah. Uh, when Henry said he wanted to end it on on a quiet note, I was just like, "Fuck yes!" Because like four oh six ends on that kind of quiet. It's like yeah. his combination like weird explosive quiet moment on Alice as <laughs> she's like, "Oh, it's this is nice," but everything's gone to shit. And I just was like, "There's something really." interesting and haunting about the idea of these two people who like see each other differently for the first time in a long time, just kind of trying to understand what that means. Yeah. And then like, yeah, I was just, I was all about it. I was like, this gives me more feels, Henry. Let's do that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the feelings. Like, uh, I feel like, you know, we haven't really had any moments between them and just, I li- it literally broke me when she was just like, "Can you just like take back and, and can you just remember oh. when you go back to the future that like, you know, you're you've changed my life like yeah yeah like oh that ruined me well yeah, Olivia I, I've that was a beautiful like, moment of a performance I've always been her. a dual shipper of both Qualis <laughs> and and uh, Quelliot, so it's like ugh. Yeah, well, and in that final scene, right, I think the thing that got me was in that final scene, so thank you for not cutting before that, when um, Alice asks him how it feels to put the object back together, and he's telling her, and she's reacting, you're like, you can tell that what she's thinking is, can you do that to me? <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, do you want to Do you want to tell that story, or it's there, well, here, Christina, you can tell the story if you want. Well... <laughs> Well, it was fascinating because Henry and I, like, just, like, that scene was written a few times. But, like, he and I, like, looked back at the book and it was just, like, why don't we just do what's in the book? There's some lovely language in the book. And it just. It was one of those scenes where we just felt like we, we, could, we could do it better. Yeah. So I was just going to say those words the, the, about, about putting it back together is, is like a direct quotation from uh, the piece about when Quentin finds out his discipline. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we went back and looked at the books and there I mean, a lot of what he says, there was a little bit of trimming, but a lot of what he says is just very much Lev Grossman's words because it was just like the subtext is a text. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is this is a good moment for that. And we have such great actors who wouldn't do the wink wink nudge nudge version of that, where it's yeah. just like we're saying it and realizing it has more meaning than one. Um and it was so fun because like when Henry and I were sitting in his office and uh, like he was rereading sections of the book and it was just like, oh, yeah, what if we just did that? And then he did it and we were just like, oh, it reads so nicely. Let's just do that shit. <laughs> it just worked. It just fit in a way that was so satisfying. And then on top of that, you know, just because collectively in the room, we've been talking for a long time about how to go about pulling in minor mendings. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Quentin's discipline has been a thing that we have been trying to figure out how to put into the show at the right time for years. Been so board forever. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was just one of those things where it was just like, yeah, we have to do this at some point. It's just a question of when's the right time. So when it mm-hmm. all came together uh, in this episode, it was so rewarding. Yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and also like where you're coming off of the, previous episode like we knew this had to be a smaller story 
and we wanted it. We so like I, smaller stories. I feel like live more in the realm of the emotions, and so like it, it's you know the the it, it's moments like that 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 make them stand out. And so like I think trying to pretend like they're big stories, like trying to pretend like the 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 moment with Julia is like the. I think an audience, as an audience member, I always feel like, well, in some ways that's false jeopardy. I know things are going to change. Something's going to be different. Something's going to be, but like, I, like that's, I know you're going to figure out how that story works, but the stuff about, the stuff of emotion is the stuff that really sticks with you, yes. I think. Yes, yeah, I agree. To, to me, like having a very emotional ending is a lot more impactful personally. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can have that quick rush, like you were saying, Henry, like, you know, it's all kind of just cliffhanger nonsense from television not to say that it's nonsense but you know like you're used yeah. to that and that's what you you've expect. seen it a lot yeah but i think that the like the emotional cliffhanger yes. aspect of like that moment is is just so much more impactful well yeah and actually i think we talked about this a little bit the first time we had you on henry because um I, yours was the first name that i noticed in the writing credits um and partly that was because i kept seeing I three names that's all <laughs> no i mean it was it was because i kept seeing these episodes that um had these had these kind of quieter emotional moments that stuck with me and that really felt like they um spoke in the voice of the books and every time i went to look at who wrote one of those it was your name so it was like one of those things that i kept like i kept catching early on and i like i guess because i agree with what you're saying so henry's definitely the character feels guy he's really good at it <laughs> you guys looks good <laughs> all right so i also want to make sure that we talk about a little at least a little bit about Quentin's depression, which definitely seems to be getting worse as the season progresses. Depression can be such a hard thing to show on TV because most of the time it's happening inside of a character's head. The show has used a lot of different techniques to make those kinds of things external, ranging from the mental health episode, the mental hospital episode in season one, to any of the musical episodes that we've seen seasons two through four. But with Quentin this season, things have seemed a lot more subtle. How intentional is that? And what do you want viewers to take away from it? The treatment of Quentin as a character who deals with depression is like a sort of a, it's in the fundamental DNA of the show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a, this, I don't think of this as an episode where he deals with it head on, like in the way that we have in other episodes, like with the depression monster, um, et cetera. But I feel like it's, you know, I, I mean, I, I, what I will say is that I, it's, I, I find it um, heartening and, and touching that uh, all of the people who have who who struggle with uh, depression who find something in the show for themselves, and like, you know, that that, that certainly is, depression has touched the lives of most of the people on the writing staff, uh, in one way or another. You know, John has been very public about. Know, his yeah. his own experiences with it um, and how that affected how he wanted to write uh, Quentin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I I think we we my my feeling is that it, one of the things that's true in the books is that like anything it's real you can face it but it never really goes away and so it is it is a part of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I, I feel like when we write Quentin we try to we try to keep that in mind. Um, but it's also not where you live every yeah, day. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, it, it's, it's more just a, uh, uh, one piece of the puzzle. And one of the things I love about writing 
for television is that characters can be many things at once. I feel like this is my personal response to the Quelliot versus Qualis thing, which is to say I, I wouldn't tell anyone how to feel or think. But, you know, the, but I also think that, that all answers are true. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I think that's a really, I mean, I think that's a really profound and profoundly true way of talking about it. Um, and I kind of feel like, I mean, for me in my own sort of journey with depression, most days in my 30s, I feel like it's behind me. But then, you know, I'll have a few weeks like this entire past winter where I'm just like, oh, oh, no, this is still a part of my life. And I, yeah, <laughs> it never really goes away. It comes back yeah. when you least expect it and when it's least convenient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It doesn't uh, it doesn't. Yeah. It, <laughs> it doesn't go on your schedule. Well, <laughs> no. One of the things that we mentioned in the show, um, or that we talked about in, uh, last episode when we were talking about the show, was um, I think now it's been like three or four times this season that Quentin has says has said, "We'll figure something out. We always do." And every single time, it just sounds a little bit more desperate than the time before. And that, to me, like that's the thing that has struck me as like a signal of this increasing depression in him. The season for me for me it's like he's pushing everyone away like very like obviously yeah. like he won't even sit there and have like a conversation out in the open with with julia about it who's supposed to be like his best best friend and like i mean i think you know like a lot of people have been there with their own depression where they won't even talk to like their best friend about it because they don't they don't have the words for it i don't think he has the strength to fight for getting Elliot back and also like his own mental health. Like I don't think he has the strength for both. Well, and that's, I think why that's the other reason that I think it's so important for me that he and Alice have this moment in this episode, because I think other than Julia, Alice is other than Julia and other than Elliot, who is completely inaccessible. Alice is the only person who knows and understands and cares for Quentin enough and, uh, in the right kinds of ways to be able to sort of see through what he's doing to himself and reach him in those moments. And for me, like if he's going to come out of it, he needs a support system. I think mm -hmm. this, the, one of the things I like about this story is that they go into it with all, with the intent of simply following the plot. Like they yeah, are yeah. trying to do a thing that they hope will lead to a conclusion and help with the Elliot problem. And they are not worrying about who, who they are or like their past or their emotions. And then their emotions kind of overwhelm them. Yeah. Like they surprise them and because, because they're there, whether or not you want them to be yeah. to the yeah. point where they have to face them. Uh, mm -hmm. And they face the, and and I'd like to think they 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 come back and remind them that they don't need to be miserable in this moment. That sometimes maybe there is hap like if there's a bit well, of they don't quality. need to be alone, right? In those yeah. feelings, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that they both had feelings for each other at one point, and you know maybe they maybe they have maybe those feelings are still there in the way that they never go away. Um, and there's no reason that like not every moment has to be suffering if you mm -hmm. you know. Even though, even though the journey is hard, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, uh, another thought I was having, like, I mean, this is an ensemble show, and one of the perspectives that we have is that each character's journey is their own, and sometimes they intersect, and sometimes they overlap, and sometimes yeah. they, you know, glance blows. 
Um, and there's a lot to unpack when it comes to like, you, when you, when you talk about like shipping and all of that, (laughs) like the thing with, like I said, like with the show is that it's an ensemble, like the writers collectively in the room discuss individual characters and what things mean to each one of them and what their actual arcs on are on an individual level. And like, that's a big one because like, like Henry said, you know, this was a very plot based episode, but the two of them had very internalized pro uh, problems that were their own, that they were forced to face. Like while they're yeah, together, they're facing yeah, them yeah. alone because you know, this is current Alice talking to past Quentin and this is current Quentin talking to past Alice. And the two of them are realizing things about themselves within the, you know, like as their relationship with each other is because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's a really, I feel very lucky to work on a show like that where it's not about working on like, this is our character that we have to service and everybody else is in service of that one singular character storyline. It's very much every person has their own story, their own like arc. And how does that work when we put them all together? Yeah. If if people don't have feelings along the way, then you're just moving widgets. Exactly. (laughs) And they're not widgets. They're, you know, they're people. people. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we should probably wrap up the the main episode portion soon, but I want to make sure we at least touch on two more things. First, speaking of ships, Julia and Penny 23. Danny, I know you've had mixed feelings about them. Did this episode change your mind in any way? I mean, come on. Hyman had to help a little, right? No. Um... I don't know. I don't. I don't personally <laughs> ship it. I, you don't. You don't I, have to. You can be your own person. I think. I think they're both. I mean, Arjun and Stellar are both fucking gorgeous people. So of course, like, you know, visually, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not connected to it. But I do think, like, I I do still love those like really soft moments that yeah. Julia has with him. Like, yeah. I do appreciate it. Anything that can bring out her softer side. Yeah, I love it. I love uh, Stella did such a good job with it, too. Mm-hmm. So it makes me happy for her, but I I don't personally ship it, but I'm, I'm happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> that relationship is for everybody. And, and also, not everyone should have a say in other people's relationships. Uh-huh. <laughs> nope. Yeah, nope. uh-huh. <laughs> um, sp- speaking of, because I think we're speaking of Hyman there, uh, <laughs> I texted Danny, I know this cannot possibly be true, but when I first saw that scene, I was like, they put Hyman in for Danny. <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> uh, I still want his cardigan, like, so bad. It's a great, it's a great cardigan. I, well, I think we got to give credit for this one. I think this was his idea in the room. I mean, Hyman was his baby, and we've been looking for ways to bring him back. And I think we were – I don't even remember what we were breaking, but I feel like I stepped out of the room and I came back. And Christina, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There was a like- different episode where David pitched that something was trying to get Julia and Penny together, and <laughs> voila, it's Hyman Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I love how he like he broke free of break bills and like tracked them down and <laughs> yeah, he learned from Penny he, he, he learned that he didn't like, have to he wasn't he wasn't thinking about everything he could do he wasn't seeing the possible <laughs> I mean here's the thing Dustin Ingram big hands as I say the possible <laughs> big big hands the thing is Dustin Ingram the actor who plays Simon Cooper is the best <laughs> like, he's great fantastic. 
hilarious. He, he, he and Arjun have like the just amazing chemistry. It's kind of a delight watching them, uh, especially even all, all, like off screen. Yeah, yeah they're go really good friends. Yeah. Ar- yeah, Arjun was saying that he's a great. <laughs> like this is not anything that would happen, but after watching them on set, I was just like, ah, oh, I ship Hyman Cooper and Penny. <laughs> just like. The two of them have a great chemistry. And I was just like, Hyman Cooper is amazing. <laughs> they always like, they'd finish a take and then Dustin would just kind of like lean in for a kiss. We spent more I time re- laughing on set while they were doing that scene. <laughs> I, I refuse to call Penny Forty anything other than P. Fody from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, like ad lib, like he just in no, a take was like P forty. He said P forty, but he's that was his like he. I, I think the script said P forty, but he he did the accent. He like put that little yeah. <laughs> he put that little so spin cool. on it. He everything. He just he just puts a he just puts a little bit of spin on everything. And it makes it great. <laughs> it's <laughs> a little difference. It's fan, It's just like. Chef's kiss, yeah. constant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the the other thing that I wanted to bring up is the Katie Zelda plotline because after talking to Megana earlier wait, in this, one thing. Wait, oh, can yeah. I quickly say one thing yes. about Destiny? Because like the the thing that most appealed to me about that storyline is that everything about Hyman seems funny, and he seems like <laughs> a joke. All the things that he says seem humorous, and like the thing the thing that I love the more than anything is that we've got this guy who everything he says is funny and he's like, his com- perspective is ridiculous. And, yes. and then he delivers this message that is so fundamentally true that you just can't ignore it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you don't expect that from him. And that's like, no. that was the thing I liked the most about the way that he delivered that. Cause you're, you're mm-hmm. laughing, you're laughing, you're laughing. And then you're like, what? <laughs> I think you broke my heart a little bit. When we first saw him in season three in Be the Penny. Um, my husband was watching the episode with me and he like sees him doing the shipping thing and he turns to me and he goes, you know they're making fun of you, right? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> he, that was just my husband making fun of me more than anything. But <laughs> When he was mean to you... Oh, he's he's nice, mean. He's you know. No, I know. Like <laughs> Actually, he you know that's not too far off the mark. He's not an alcoholic, but <laughs> he is like a grumpy old man. So <laughs> I've I've been a grumpy old man my whole life, so I relate. <laughs> Uh, on that note, <laughs> the other thing the other thing I wanted to bring up was the uh, Katie Zelda plotline because after we talked to Magena earlier this season, I feel like finding out that Everett is trying to turn himself into a god is going to be really devastating for her. But like she's in this pressure cooker of a situation in the poison room, she has no time to process it, and I have a deep seated feeling that she's not going to get any time to process it in the next two episodes. Do you think we're ever going to get to see the impact it has on her? I guess I'll direct that at Danny. So that... No, I think she's going to die, and she's going to be the one with the secrets taken to the grave. <laughs> Bold <laughs> choice. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to want to talk about Bear Skip. <laughs> about, wait, about what? I don't want to well, talk about Bear Skip. <laughs> I mean, that was great. And I, honestly, 
Josh like had such great moments in this episode. He wasn't in it very much, but like awesome. that, that whole section was weirdly the like one of the most fun things to shoot. You know, and and I, Christina and I had a, like a blast writing for those three. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was, but like I, Brittany had this weird energy that was like really up, and it made it just made everyone mm-hmm. it, like everyone was sort of delight. It just made the whole thing delightful. The whole the like <laughs> knife thing where she's like admiring the knife skills of the naiad, or <laughs> right, and, the, and the, the the three of them just had this weird like triad energy that like <laughs> I. I love Tick, so it's always yes. great. He's so schemy and like, <laughs> uh, I love Those it. Those three uh, are just delightful to watch and be with in person because they're all just, they're just so nice and they just work. Yeah. They're just, mm-hmm. yeah. We had this weird, we, yeah. I, we had the, the scene where he drinks the water from her was like, it came out of the fact that like we, we, I think we had, we didn't have enough time to, we'd written another scene where they're kind of in a room planning and then. Uh, we we didn't have time basically to do a company move, so we were, we had to shoot block shoot two scenes in the jail cell, and we'd had such a great time with the naiad, um, Meg, that, uh, Meg, Meg who's who's amazing and doesn't look anything like that naiad, but that was really a, that was like a, a, <laughs> I mean she was a, Meg Steedle, she was a blast. Yeah, so uh, I think we were just like, oh, what if, what if we, uh, what if we like came back and like Tick threatens her by trying to drink the water from her well, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he oh does my God. It anyways, and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> so that, just, that just seemed like the that's the that's a classic that's a comedy button. <laughs> I mean, I did actually. I was thinking about them, and I wrote it in my notes about how, like, when they're singing the like the little rhyme, the nursery rhyme. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they are talking about the thirteenth, and the one like, oh, yeah. who I guess made all of these water things underneath the castle, which is actually magic. I was just like, wait, is Everett the thirteenth? I'm glad you brought this up because, okay, so Danny's learning from me. She's developing her own crackpot theories, and I just love it. <laughs> uh, no, my, no, Everett's not never... the 13th. I'm just going to oh, go ahead and say damn. it. No, no. But, like, but, but, you know, it, 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 we've got plot threads that are kind of moving forward. It's funny. That was one of those ones where I think we came up with in the room, and then, like, Christine and I split up the script, and I, that was a section I had to write, and I was like, wow, somehow... I was, I'll just like I, I think I left the I didn't write the rhyme until really really late in the game because mm. I was like I'll just do this later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what was funny was Henry was like the rhyme's crap, and I read it and I was like I like it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's just like oh, what the hell this is, and I was like I like it. It's for kids. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good yeah, writer. it's for kids. He, he's he's a good writer. Like he's just <laughs> like this is crap, and I'm as like, is Christine. <laughs> <laughs> but. It, it was anyway. That was a that ended up being that whole section was a really fun thing to write. I think Christine and I had a blast doing it. <laughs> the whole script was so funny. Um, we wrote our our halves, came together, married them, and then like systematically in the room together, went through it repeatedly, pitching like various like changes and tweaks and like dialogue. We, just, bits we and, punch it up together. Like we, mm-hmm. the, the, we each write our half. Then we kind of give notes on each other's halves, and then we sit there next to each other and literally rewrite it together. So, like that, you know, it's it, it's great because it's sort of you get the best of everybody's ideas. Mm-hmm. I think 
Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's torture. I don't know. I had fun writing it. <laughs> I did too. I had a lot of fun. Well, on that delightful note, I'm going to move us to fashion because I want to make sure we get you out in time. Um, so... Yeah, fashion time. As usual, the monster shirt is on point. Did you did you catch this one, Danny? I saw part of it. I don't think I ever realized what it all said. Okay, so I went back in one of the like twelve times that I was reviewing this episode, and um, it's got a <laughs> frowny face emoji on top, and it says, "I'm sorry for what I said when I was angry," um, which and it's also it's covered in blood. And that was what, that was like a thing that I, the first time I just didn't even process it. And the second time I was like, wait, what the fuck? Why is it covered in blood? The last we left him, he was like hanging out in a bar with some chick. Who did he murder in the meantime? I'm sorry for what I said when I was hangry. Oh, (laughs) oh, even better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know but, that feel but like okay so is he covered in blood because he ate someone he comes in talking about how the body is a, that he picked out was a is too a, weak yeah too weak and so the the intention was that that is her blood oh mm-hmm. so like he killed her because she was because she had well, cancer well no that it, it, uh, I don't think he did it intentionally. I think that the blood started to come out. Oh, so How he tried like, to do the thing and it didn't yeah, work. Be, okay. You know, this will be cleared up when you see next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. We don't explode just kittens oh, on this show. Wait, wait, wait. Also, sorry, speaking of blood, I fucking love you for putting it, for uh, revealing the binder with a tampon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Once again, I'm gonna give for that one because, like, I did a hand cut, and he's like, "How many times are we gonna do a hand cut? How do you feel about tampons?" I was like, "Uh, you mean as in I use them?" <laughs> <laughs> I love great. it. How many and times I do love... you see, like fantasy things where they cut their hand, and then I it's just kept thinking it was so annoying that this cut on your hand, and then I was like, "Well, maybe Marco's just maybe you know she's got plenty of blood." <laughs> Or on our show and it's just like yes. mm. <laughs> no I love it I love it's just the most ridiculous way to subvert the trope and there was us and, and the, then a, the banana phone were the two things we were just like we're just gonna do this <laughs> it wasn't it was the outlier we were just like I was just like let's just do this <laughs> <laughs> I love it the banana phone was great. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> Henry had never seen the banana phone song. Oh, yeah, Christina sent me the banana phone song while we were writing that. <laughs> and then Elle, I want to say, Elle, gave, uh, Elle Lipson like, uh, gave me as a gift at the end of the year like a, a, a Bluetooth banana phone. <laughs> which is cool. uh, I love it. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, We're back off topic. Yes, <laughs> fashion. Okay. Um, though, I mean, now we've just heard that the banana phone can be a fashion accessory. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I also noticed Alice's dress in part because I think it's one of the ones that she wears in like season two, right? Maybe three, like after she returns from being a Niffin. Is that, am I right about that? Does anybody know? I, heard, I, I think it's similar, but I don't think it's the same one. Oh, okay. yeah, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think it was like a, we were looking for a. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the 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 she is wearing the stuff from season one. From, yes. from Breakville South. Um, but uh, I, th- I and I, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, do you remember Christina? Because I feel like it's a slight variation on that dress. I think it's a slight variation. I think the big thing is that she has a dress silhouette. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, because I don't think it's the same dress. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's a new dress. It's just a familiar silhouette and then maybe a similar pattern. But yeah, I think it's a it's a different dress. I have to go back and look at the wardrobe photos for this one. I feel like I I feel like it's just more like the an echo of what we've seen before. Yeah, Danny, I know you really enjoyed the binders outfit too. What was it that struck you? Well, you put it in your notes. (laughs) No, I enjoyed Josh's outfit. Oh, I misread your notes. Okay, tell me about Josh's outfit. Well, the buttons outfit, like I gotta say, it, it was pretty versatile. It yeah. looked like weirdly ancient, and it had to fit through a book. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he was dressed pretty cool, too, but I, I liked Josh's outfit, his, like, sequin top. It was so oh. just, like... It's like studs. He's got all these, yeah. like, really rad studs across it that are just shiny, and I remember when Mogali showed it. Sarah was like, what do you guys think? And I was like, the one with the studs. <laughs> I was like, yes. I always love um, seeing Josh dressed, like, more royally. Like, yeah. Because he well, actually, like, offset. Christina wrote this, the great scene where he, he like, and we, unfortunately, because of the way we shot it, we ended up, part of it got cut. But the scene where he's got the, the uh, he drops. The muffin? Yes, the biscuit. No, the biscuit. <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> and then picks it up. And that like, was. Looks around. Still good. Still good. <laughs> <laughs> I love Josh. That. The fancier he looks, the funnier it is that he's eating food off the floor. <laughs> Josh always has like the best, like weird, like unexpected moments. Like, and that's why he's one of my favorites. Like, I think literally, like one of my favorite scenes from the entire fucking show is when he gets all of them like super high when he's first king. <laughs> And there's just the rap song playing. Like I was just like, David and I wrote that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait, then I have to add something because I think, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but that season, Lev told us that was his favorite scene in the season. So. <laughs> he did. And he said, that he, he said that it originally had a different rap song that you guys couldn't get licensed to, but he thought that the original rap song was better. <laughs> yeah, in the script, it was scripted as something we didn't get. <laughs> I want to say it was uh, it was uh, past the what was it? It was the what is the song? God damn. Oh balls! I'm... Uh, it's it was Cypress Hill. I want to say it was, uh, <laughs> was it? hits from the bong. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's right there on the nose, right? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the that was the, that was the one that we talked about. But it's the. I mean, it's a funny. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, fashion topic. The other thing that I obviously want to, that I need to mention is Katie's librarian outfit because she looks so fucking good as a librarian. She did. Yeah, she oh my good. god! I kind of want her to. Be, I mean, even though the library is now feeling very evil to me, and I don't really want her to be part of that. I also kind of want her to be a librarian just to wear those clothes all the time. She looks so good in them. She did. <laughs> she we did. Were, when Christina and I were writing, we were talking about how part of the fun of it was just that we wanted a smash cut to, you know, Magena right next to uh, uh, Jade and Jade's dressed completely like Librarian Doubt. Mm. That seems like the that seems like one of those uh, one of those TV moments that you want to see. Yeah, Katie, this year in particular, it's like gets to dress all kinds of crazy. Like you never yes. get to see her like between Sam Cunningham and her like crazy disguise in 403. And, like it's just, <laughs> yeah, there's, it's been a lot of fun. Jade's probably having fun. Were there any, yeah, I mean, I know like 
the the regular librarians have book details in a lot of their clothing? Were there? Do you know if there were any book details in Katie's outfit? Oh, there absolutely were, but I cannot tell you what it was because I cannot remember. <laughs> Did <laughs> yeah. you, do you recall, Christina? I don't remember. I know the one thing that I was like, please give her glasses. And that was really yes. like, I just left it to wardrobe and was just like, please give her glasses because like, yes. I just want to see her in glasses. <laughs> she looks good in glasses. It was a good call. She does. It was a good call. <laughs> um, okay. Any other fashion notes anyone has to bring up? No. Okay. <laughs> MVP time then. Danny, I'm making you start this time because I did it like the last three. Oh, mine definitely goes to Olivia. She yeah. knocked it out of the fucking park. <laughs> she was really great. <laughs> it's, the, it's the moment where she talks about just remember that. That was the one that gets the picture hurt. Yeah. 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 It got me. And just like her scene, even with her like interacting with like young Quentin, like and She's just she just gives in to the moment, and I just felt so bad for her because you can just tell that she still loves Quentin so much. So much. Oh, the moment where he kisses her on the forehead uh, and oh. the top of the head, and she just goes, <gasps> she like stiffens mm-hmm. up. Oh, mm-hmm. Y'all favorite. weren't even on set for that. Like Mira, then <laughs> our director and I were just like watching it on the screens, and she looked at me, she's like, "Was that good?" And I was like, "I don't think I have the ability to tell because I'm just freaking out right now." <laughs> I'm like, Too- in it to be discerning it's so cute (laughs) well i think that's a good one um i i felt like this is an ensemble episodes in some ways it could go to anyone but for the all the reasons that we mentioned earlier i'm giving my mvp to mac matt frewer um because i've that's so who plays the binder in case we didn't make that connection at some earlier point. I've seen him in so many different shows and he's like a scene stealer in every single one of them. And like, mm-hmm. how amazing is it to deliver four minutes of exposition and make it riveting like that? I just think right. that's like, he's literally playing a book, this like physical manifestation of a book that is speaking in the third person and is like all sorts of affected. But for the four minutes he's delivering that monologue, you just can't, you can't take your eyes off him. So, yeah, brilliant performance. I'm giving it to Matt. Henry, what about you? Um, I, I would agree with that, although I want to make special note for also uh, Breen O'Byrne, who plays Mayakovsky in this. Mm-hmm. He gets this, like, great two, you know, like, giant two scenes where he pretty much... It was also, like, I, uh, I didn't get to write any Mayakovsky season one, so it was really fun getting to write him with Christina this time around. And he's just like a... Mm-hmm. The constant cursing and all of the like. You of course, know, you like the constant cursing, Henry. Yeah, but he's like, he, but he curses a he curses so specifically, and yeah. yet yeah. you know, just the way he it isn't actually the cursing; it's the insulting that I uh-huh. like. Yeah, it's the like, the demeaning sort of like comments. The whole like, oh, B plus student, B minus yeah, student, B minus student. Plus. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like the, I don't think this is going to kill brain cells. <laughs> I can spare them. You can't. You know, you don't. Mm-hmm. I have them to lose. Spare you. You don't. I'm always really excited when I can give someone a very specific compliment that I can tell, like, lights up their world. And he's like the opposite of that. He gets excited when he can give someone a very specific insult that just tears them apart at the core. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. <laughs> he's he's he's, uh, he's that that character is a lot of fun to inhabit. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like in some ways that kind of uh, I w- I'm going to say it is love 
disguised as abuse (laughs) 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 that is also funny that feels like very much like the magicians to me because it's never uh, (laughs) it's never going to be you know, it's not going to be treacly. <laughs> it's survival based. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care about your happiness so much as your survival. <laughs> uh, okay, Christina. So who's your MVP this week? I'm going to give it to Mira Menon, our director. Oh, uh, uh, good call. She was fantastic. Uh, and, I've, and I've worked with some really great directors, but Mira has this very kind of a sensitive understanding of what the characters should be feeling. Um, she was just, she was so good. And I think for an episode like this in particular, mm-hmm. she had to be very attuned to what um, our actors were giving us in like how it, you know, is it what the character is supposed to be emoting? Yes. Good job. Thank this you. Is the <laughs> second, I gotta, on, on that note, this is, this actually is the second, what's technically a bottle show that she's done for this show. She yeah. did 23 mm-hmm. uh, that Mike and I wrote last season. Right, and right. then she did this one. Um, and like I did, for for those of you who don't know, a bottle show, you know, is like a, it's it's the episode that we set only on our sets, primarily with our characters, uh, and it's usually to uh, because it's how we afford to do shows like episode ten, <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> is by making yeah. like smaller, more concentrated episodes, and they tend to be shot on a shorter schedule, and they're hard yeah. to do. And Mira really, 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 really like came to play like she you're, you're yeah. absolutely right Christina. That's awesome. yeah she had a um she had a shorter schedule for this one and like and bravo to you too henry because you're the one who always takes these bottle episodes <laughs> <laughs> it's like i got for punishment <laughs> season two i've been i always end up writing the, uh, the bottle episode i mean he's the character guy he's good at it right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i think that takes us to ratings so danny you're first again well, I literally blame Clara for like ruining this rating for me because <laughs> so so I got like a thousand texts before I actually watched this episode and she like hyped it so fucking hard. Like I can't even <laughs> explain to you like how much she hyped this episode. Why'd you do that? And <laughs> I know I, I, I fucked up. <laughs> there's just something that instantly ruins anything for someone if it's just too hyped and so like I was just like I don't understand why you thought I was gonna love this episode so much I was just so excited by Hyman (laughs) for you (laughs) I know the way she texted it to me and I was like is it Todd and I (laughs) I think I said no better and then and then like she saw it and she's like this was this Give me Todd. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I was expecting Todd and didn't get Todd. And- I'm, I'm getting the feeling this rating is more about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very true. I mean, aren't all ratings kind of about the people who are giving them? <laughs> yeah, well, all that to say, like, I would say for me, it was like a 9 out of 10 because she hyped it way too hard. And I was just like, <laughs> thanks, Clara. <laughs> that's still pretty high. That is high. I would have expected lower after the like the disappointment of the hype after the hype. Yeah, I don't like I'm not the type of Asian that has a problem with an A minus. Just saying. <laughs> I I was gonna say I think maybe she's saying that in part because she knows what I'm gonna rate it because I like also so I emailed you when I was only like eighty percent of the way through. By the way, I was still so I was just too excited and I couldn't contain myself any longer, and so I was like, nope, I already love it. I'm gonna tell them it's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, she just went too far in her hype, and but for me, it's like I don't think there's 
<laughs> I don't think it's possible for anything this season to go past, like below like, like an eight out of yeah. ten is like my lowest. I think. What did you guys think- give uh, the episode ten last week? 10 out of 10 yeah, or maybe yeah, 15 think, out of 10. Yeah. I don't know. Something very high. I, knew, I, knew, I had a feeling that's the one you would have. Oh, okay, no, we've given 10 out of 10 or more for like most of the episodes at this point. <laughs> I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. You guys are restricting yourselves by staying at 10. We have gone above that. above 10. And I am. Okay. So you know what? 10. Hold your horses because <laughs> I am giving this a 20 out of 10, my friends. <laughs> Uh, that's what I said in that like crazy all caps email I sent you that probably that's had 10 right. million typos yeah. in it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and that's still how I feel. Like, it, I mean, in some ways, it's not as like big or bold, right? Like, this is not as crazy as episode 10 in a lot of ways, but we've been building up to so many of the things that we discovered in it. And it just, like, the payoff was so great for me. And I think, like, I loved every arc, but even if. I hadn't found any arc satisfying except for the one with the binder. Like, that four minutes of television would have been enough for me to be like, yes, <laughs> this is like perfect. The quickest of shout outs to our props department because coming up with that book. Oh, yeah. Like, we wrote in a we, we had a lot of d- discussion over how to do the book. <laughs> that might have given a few people heart attacks because we just basically wrote in a, like, this book opens up and births a man. And they were like, the fuck? Christina wrote this scene where the guy climbed. I, I, it was actually a, kind of a perfect description because you were like, he, he, I forgot exactly how you said it. It was like he squeezes himself out of the book. Like a contortionist. Like, yeah, contortionist. That was it. And it was like, and I was like, oh, we should do that. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> we hadn't really discussed how he was going to come out, but it was sort of, it was a, it was such a perfect idea. It's great. It's arresting. We, we think it was just a lot of talk about, do we do it digitally? Do we do a, like, how, how do we, you know, we went back and forth and finally it, it just came down to like, let's just build a rubber book. Like, <laughs> so there were several books made of latex. There were uh, Wait, wait. So did he actually climb books. out of it? Wait, sorry. Yeah. I'm. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, my god! Plans out of the book for real. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> actually Matt Brewer crawling out of the book. Um, that's fucking yeah, no, insane. I, like, I want him to come out like it's a book gina. He's gonna yeah. be like, straight <laughs> up birthing himself. And like, so yeah, no, that is very much a real human being pushing himself up through a table. Oh my but god! Seven. That there are seven prop versions of that book because the version where he crawls out is actually the book is larger than the actual prop itself because um, mm-hmm. it had to be big enough for him to squeeze his hips through. So <laughs> that yeah. was really just one where it was like, let's you know, we we've tried to find a way to do it exactly the way Christina wrote it when she first wrote it. <laughs> oh man, I like doing shit. <laughs> it was great. It was super fun, and I think I gotta say, Matt, that was where Matt's performance really sold it. <laughs> he did. Um, it really did, yeah. <laughs> uh, we only have a minute left, and I want to make sure that we can get Christina to her baby on time. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say, I think, we've, <laughs> I think we've come to the end of our show, but before we go, Christina, um, We've we've known something for a little while that we just wanted to we wanted to address head on like Quentin and Alice address their traumas. Um, this is your last episode of The Magicians, <laughs> right? It it was 
Yeah, Claire and Danny actually figured out from my uh, Twitter bio that um, yeah, Danny figured out my... credit where credit is due. Danny, <laughs> you 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 pay very close attention. Thank you. I like. Uh, yeah, no. Sadly, this is my last episode. I have uh, I, I accepted a job on a Netflix show called Shadow and Bone. That's an adaptation of Lee Bardugo's books, Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. So. Yeah, no, The Magician Season 5 started without me today, and I was super sad because I love them so much. It was very it was very different without Christina. But, you know, our, our loss is Eric Heiser's gain. Uh, I think, you know, they're really lucky to have you. I would actually like to revise my MVP for the episode, and I'd like to give that to Christina Strain. Oh, who has been nothing yay. but a consistent delight to work with uh, low these past few years. Uh, you know, and we'll be and we'll be missed greatly by everyone in our room. Well, I love everybody in the room. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. But every single person in there is fantastic. Um, that room was very much like a family, and I couldn't have asked for a better place to start. Like they taught me a lot. I'm not gonna cry, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, they were great. I miss them every day. And the uh, the new hey, you, you were texting with everyone yeah. today. <laughs> Wait, what? You were texting with everyone in the room today. <laughs> I was very like, I miss you guys. I hope this season's going to be awesome. I can't wait to ask you secrets. Um, <laughs> well, you, know, um, you guys are going to make a freaking fantastic season five. There are two new writers on the on the staff that uh, Henry's spoken very highly of one of them. Um, and I'm sure the other one's great, too. Both of them are so, great. Both of they them sound are really awesome, fantastic. but yeah. it's a fantastic room, and they're just going to continue to create amazing stories. So I can't wait to watch the show. Well, I hope that if Marina gets a girlfriend, you can at least consult on it. If they, if they, bring, her in, if they bring her in, Mike, and been like, "Yo, y'all better give her a girlfriend, and then maybe name her Christina." Just saying. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Canon. <laughs> oh well, I I think I speak for all of our listeners when I say thank you for everything you've brought to the magicians, Christina. It's been. So I like I have cried a little bit. I'm going to be honest, like in the last few weeks since yeah. we figured it out, because I keep seeing all these after we did the episode with Casey. We had so many people who were like, oh, my God, Christina's the Christina's so fun. She's my favorite writer. And I'm like, Aww. they're going to be so sad. Well, the good news for all of them is there are better writers on the show. They're very like, stop. It's a, it's That's a not big true. family effort. Um, and I yeah, I love them all. And. I am very lucky to have uh, written my last episode with Henry because, like, uh, he's room dad. And it was not just educational. It was really fun, and I had a great time, and he's fantastic. So The the truth is it's very hard to hold on to a writer as talented as Christina. There's a lot (laughs) of people who want to hire her, and Mm -hmm. uh, they will continue to be the problem, I think. Uh, uh, you know as regards to hiring Christina in the future because you're gonna have a lot of offers from a lot of places (laughs) Uh, anyway I'm I am also a fan I'm actually a big fan of the book series that uh that uh the show she's a workout is based on so I am delighted um to see what uh, you guys come up with there well, mm-hmm. and I think for Danny and I, I guess we're just going to have to start a second podcast about Shadow and Bone, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note, I think it's time to say goodbye. Thank you guys for having us. It's Thank you for having so, us. Thank you for joining us always. Um, listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, rate us on iTunes, tell the world about us. You know, do whatever you please. And you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod. Bye. Bye.
Mindslide. <laughs> <laughs> Proof that Henry listens. <laughs>